Welcome to the Hidden Acres Podcast, coming to you from Hidden Acres Christian Center in Dayton, Iowa. We are pleased to bring you the audio from some of our 2022 High School Week seminars. This seminar was taught by Mark Duvick, student pastor at Cornerstone Church in Ames. The seminar title was Fighting with Friends. For this seminar, the audio system actually cut out about 10 or 15 minutes into the message, and the early audio was lost, but we were able to capture the last 20 minutes or so. Because of this, the audio picks up halfway through a story. Sorry about that, but hope you'll enjoy it anyway. Uh, Okay, so back to my story. I... Uh, have been through all three of these heart, heart postures. Uh, what's most natural for me is to just run away. Uh, if anyone knows about Enneagram stuff, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which means I hate conflict with a passion. It is so much easier for me to just ignore all of my emotions and feelings than to have a hard conversation with someone and says, say you hurt me. So that's what I did for a long time, and I just tried to run away. But, like I mentioned, bitterness, resentment, those things creep into your heart and they slowly poison you to death. So at some point, that became not viable for me to continue just ignoring it. So then I moved to revenge. And I'm just like, okay, my life sucks right now. I am in so much pain. I am pissed. I am angry all the time. I would wake up and when I was showering, I would like, like I would take the loofah and I would like clean my body so hard because I was just like, I need some way to get the anger out. I'm so mad constantly. And I just want the people who've hurt me to feel the way that I feel. I just want to get even with them. And it wasn't necessarily I wanted them to hurt. I just wanted them to know how much they had hurt me. And the best way I could think to have that happen was to have them feel the same pain that I felt. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who is going to yell and, you know, scream at them. You know, my personality is just not who I am. And so I just prayed for justice. I was like, okay, God, I'm not going to freak out at them. So you do something like you do something to punish them for what I feel like they've done to me. That was my heart at honestly, for probably a year or two was that was where I was at. Not a great place. I'm just being honest with you guys. That's where I was. Um, So over time, God eventually continued to work on my heart and helped me to do a lot of the hard things in order to choose relationship and to engage in healthy conflict. So what I want to do is, if you have your Bibles, there's really going to just be one verse that we talk about that is kind of the framework for um, everything that we're going to be doing, and it's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. And there's more to this passage, um, but there's just a couple of key observations that I want to make with just this one verse. All right, if you're not there, we'll reference it a couple times later too, so... Um, You can keep finding it, and um, I'm going to read it. So Matthew 18, verse 15 says, If your brother sins against you, 
Go tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, congratulations. You have won your brother. Okay. So I have a problem with this verse. There's a couple of things that just feel off. The first thing is that if your brother sins against you, you go do the work. You go to your brother and talk to him. And that feels weird to me. Does that feel weird to you? Because I feel like you just punched me in the face. I'm like bleeding. You should be coming to me. You should come to me to apologize. You should come to me to reconcile. But Jesus says, no, if someone hurts you, you start the conversation. And I'm just going to be honest, that feels off to me. The second thing that feels kind of off is when we play this out, you kind of realize forgiveness kind of sucks. Forgiveness is really not that fair. So one time when I was in college, my roommate, uh, we were just messing around, and for some reason, he threw a starburst at me. And I don't know how this happened. I don't know if you could even, like, repeat this if you tried. But he threw a starburst at me. I have my laptop right here. Somehow the starburst ricochets off of me, hits my screen of the laptop, and the screen, like, shatters. Not, like, into a million pieces, but, like, like it, it broke the color panel on the computer screen. I don't know if that's a thing, but it sounds about right. And so you just see like all these different rainbow colors. It's like, oh, you just, like, you just broke my computer. I don't think this thing is usable anymore. He did the wrong thing. But now what, what do I do? Well, because I am a nice Christian boy who hates conflict, I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So what I did was I forgave him. Now what actually that means is that he did something that damaged my property. So if we were in a system of retribution, he should pay for my laptop. He should buy me a new laptop or at least like pay for half of it or something. It was an accident. Okay, so we'll give him a little bit of a break. But what forgiveness does is it says, hey, I know you incurred a debt because of something that you did that damaged something that I have. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to forgive your debt. So now I have a broken laptop and I have to pay another $1,000 or so to buy a new laptop. And what happens to my roommate? Nothing. That kind of sucks. That's kind of not fair. And it's one thing when it's property and you're out some money. It's another thing when someone wounds your soul and then they apologize and you say I forgive you and nothing happens to them but you still feel like you have a gaping hole inside your heart and now you still have to heal but you're not making them pay at all that's really hard and it really really sucks forgiveness is not fair. And when you really have to forgive someone that is a deep, deep wound, you kind of realize that, oh, forgiveness is kind of crappy. I didn't do anything wrong. 
and yet I'm the one who's wounded. And now I'm really tired and exhausted because Jesus told me that I was supposed to go to you to engage in this conflict where I didn't even want to have to do this. And it's not my fault that I'm even having to do it because you're the one who did this to me. And then if you apologize, I'm now supposed to forgive you. And so I have all of the burden and the weight and you go free. That just kind of sucks. And that's how I felt for a really long time. And then one day I was walking and I was praying and I was just telling God how much forgiveness sucked. And he said, he's like, you know, it sounds kind of familiar, right? That's ex exactly what I did for you. Crap. All of a sudden it hit me that Jesus didn't do anything to me, and yet I sinned against him. I betrayed him. I ran away from him. I did everything wrong. And then who pursued me? I didn't pursue Jesus. Jesus, being the hurt victim, he's the one who pursued me. And then when I did repent of my sin and apologize, Jesus didn't make me pay for my sin. He didn't make me pay the debt, but he did it. So he was hurt because of my sin. He pursued me in spite of being hurt. And then he forgave me all of my sin at great personal cost to himself. So much so that he had to die in order to forgive me and in order to restore that relationship. So yeah, in a sense, Real forgiveness does kind of suck, and it does seem off to have you who is hurt go and pursue the person who hurt you. All of those things, they do feel really off. But that's how Jesus works. It's a really humbling thing to walk in his footsteps. But when we do we become a lot more like Jesus in the process. And we get to experience a little bit of that joy that even comes with suffering with Jesus. One of the verses um, that I meditated on is found in Philippians. And Paul, he's talking and he says, man, I just pray that I would get to share in the sufferings of Jesus so that I might also share in the resurrection, so that I might know the power of his resurrection. So there's a benefit to sharing in the sufferings of Jesus. And if we want to choose relationship, that's the route that we have to take. So that's our heart posture. First, we can just retreat. We can ignore it. Second, we can try to seek revenge or retribution. We can try to get even. And then third, we can take the hard path, the hard road, the road that Jesus took, and we can go after relationship, even if it costs us. Okay, that was a lot. Take a deep breath. Whew, that's heavy. It's conflict. I know it's not fun. We're going to kind of take it a little bit lighter, and we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the strategies, some of the communication strategies or tactics. Um, so if you're taking notes, following along, we're on kind of number two main point here. 
Okay, so once you get the posture right, uh, you need to think about what does it actually look like once I go and start talking to my brother, what do we talk about and what does that feel and look like? Um, so we're going to really talk about um, two main things. Uh, we're going to talk about context. What's the helpful context to have that conversation in? Um, and then we're going to talk about content. Um, what are some of the things while I'm communicating, what does that look like? So the first thing I'll say about context, um, have whatever conversation in person. Please, 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 please do not try to resolve a conflict over text message. Unless you're trying to argue like which Marvel movie is better, like any real conflict really should be in person. Uh, a little trivia, how much of our communication is nonverbal, meaning it's not using words. When you're texting, all you have is verbal communication. So how much of communication is nonverbal? Any ideas or really fast Google wizards? Wait, wait, 80% is nonverbal? Do we feel like that's high? Someone said 75, someone said 90. So it's kind of hard to quantify, but most experts, you guys were, were spot on, but think about, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of nuts. Most experts would say that nonverbal communication accounts for 70 to 93% of communication. So when you're texting someone, that means the best case scenario is you're only communicating about 30% of what's actually there. Your message, you're taking two-thirds of it off and sending it in a text message. Now, when you're just asking the question like, hey, mom, what's for dinner? You really don't need all 100% of communication. But when you're in a conflict, you need all of the communication power you can possibly get. So context is huge. You need the tone of voice. You need the facial expressions. You need the instant feedback of, I said this and this happened on their face. You don't get that, even on a phone call. So if you can't, for some reason, do face-to-face, at the very least, do something like FaceTime or Zoom or some video call. So when my friend, who's actually states away, when we had to resolve our conflict, we had to do it over Zoom. And it wasn't ideal, but there just wasn't a way. He's got kids. We've got, we tried to even get together, but we just couldn't do that. It would have taken way too long, so we did it over Zoom. Not ideal, but way better than even a phone call or definitely an email or a text message. So first thing with context, in person, as much as possible. The second thing with context is try to create a safe space. Now, I kind of hate that phrase. Safe space, I feel like it's, it's kind of a cop-out for people if it's like, I don't really want to have a conversation about this. They're like, oh, I don't feel safe, and so I just need to remove myself from the situation. I'm like, that's kind of dumb. Uh, Here's what I mean when I'm talking about a safe space. When you're engaging in conflict, it can't just be a one-way thing. It's possible that while 
the majority of the fault is not yours. It's possible that some of it is. And so you need to be open to them giving you feedback as much as you are giving them feedback. And so really all that looks like is saying, hey, I want to have a conversation about this issue and I would love to hear what your thoughts are and I would love to be able to share some of my thoughts and some of, I'd love to hear your feelings and I'd love to share some of my feelings. Just opening it up for two-way communication and it's not just a lecture and you telling them all the things they've done wrong. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about safe space. So have the conversation in person and then just create two-way dialogue for you guys. Okay, so that is the context. Um, now we're going to move into content. So the reason uh, we want that safe to be, uh, that space to be safe is really to open up the very first part of content, and that is honesty. You have to be able to be honest and say the real true things that are in your heart. Um, you can't lie or try to pretend that something doesn't really hurt you when it really, really does. And you need to allow them to be honest as well. Now, when you're telling them the truth, it doesn't mean you need to be a jerk about it. You don't need to shove it in their face, but you do need to at least be able to be honest. If you can't be honest, the conversation's not going to go very far. The second thing with content, and it's pretty closely linked to honesty, um, is you have to be vulnerable. So honesty and vulnerable, vulnerability are really closely related. Um, you can be honest, but withhold a lot of significant information. You're not lying, technically, if you're just not saying anything. But you need to be vulnerable because you need to be able to say the things that you really, really are uncomfortable saying but you have to get everything out on the table, otherwise you can't resolve it. If it goes left unsaid, you're gonna leave that conversation and you're gonna feel like you need to have another conversation right after that to talk about all the things that you didn't talk about because you weren't vulnerable enough. Now, easier said than done. I had to tell family members how I felt and I felt like if they knew how I feel, the relationship is going to be end, it's going to be over because there's no way that what I'm going to say is going to fly. I feel like what I'm going to say is going to be too painful for them to even hear. And so you have to take that risk. It's a lot easier said than done. But you have to have honesty. You have to have vulnerability. And then finally, you have to communicate your emotions, which is, again, kind of hard for me to do. I'm much better at talking about logic or the facts I enter a conflict like I would like a, a courtroom of like, well, this is what happened and then this happened and this, it's really hard for me to say things like, I'm sad. Here's what happened and I feel lonely or I feel afraid. That's so, so hard for me. But it wasn't until I was able to communicate some of my emotions that resolution was starting to happen. So, honesty, vulnerability, and then you have to talk about emotions. You have to open up those emotions because if you don't talk about the emotions, the emotional wound can't really heal. Okay, a lot faster than posture. 
It's good. We're moving on to the next thing. So first we looked at the posture that we need to have. We can retreat, we can seek revenge, or we can pursue relationship. Then we looked at some of the communication strategies. Um, what's the appropriate context? And then what are some of the things we need to remember when we're actually engaging in the conversation? Um, and now we're going to look at that resolution. What's the possible options after we go through all this? So if we look back at Matthew 18, 15, it says, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault, you and him alone, and if he listens, you have won your brother. The big thing I want you to circle is if he listens. If he doesn't listen, you keep reading Matthew 18, and that gives you some more guidance but the big point I want to make is you can do all of this stuff I've talked about. You can do all of the right things. And there's still a chance that the conflict won't be resolved. There's still a chance that they won't apologize to you. Or they might say things like, hey, I get that you feel this way, but you shouldn't. And I don't understand why you're talking to me about this. I get I did all these things, but I don't think they're a problem. It's possible that the conflict won't be resolved even though you did everything right. And that's a pretty unfortunate reality, but you have to know that you can't control another person. You have no control over what they do or how they respond to what you do. And if you try to control them, that's not really a relationship, that's just manipulation. Even if it's mutual manipulation, you and another can person can just constantly just be trying to manipulate each other. That's not a healthy relationship, though. Now, if you do win over your brother, I mentioned this before, be prepared to kind of be a little bit disappointed at how that feels. Because we have been trained to think that retribution feels really good. We've been trained to think that getting even is satisfying. It's really not, but when we forgive someone, it still really hurts. It still kind of feels a little bit unfair that you had to suffer all this pain and you just forgave them everything. So be prepared for it to feel a little bit disappointing, but ultimately, it's much, much better. Ultimately, it's the best thing for you, it's the best thing for the relationship, and it's the best thing because you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Um, so I don't want to leave you guys on like a cliffhanger. With my situation, to kind of close out on the story, um, some of the relationships are pretty awesome and restored. Um, some of them are even better than they ever have been because we opened up our emotions to each other and we were able to have greater intimacy and depth with each other. Um, but some relationships are still in progress. Um, I feel a lot of closure, even as recent as like just a couple of weeks ago, I feel like God has kind of brought the relationship to a close where it's like, okay, I feel like I've done everything, but again, I can't control what you do and so um, there's kind of a TBD on some of their relationships in my life. Um, but I feel like God has taught me a lot of how to engage in healthy conflict. Um, and hopefully, um, I've grown to become a little bit more like Jesus 
through the process. And my hope is by sharing all of this with you guys uh, that if you ever are in a spot where you have to deal with some really, really deep, difficult conflict, um, you'll be just a little bit more prepared to do that. So I'm going to pray first really quick, and then I think you guys are pretty much done, but if you do have some questions, um, you can throw them out, um, and we'll, I'll respond to those a little bit. But God, thank you for these students. Thank you so much for um, them just giving me attention and the ability to share this. Um, they don't have to do that, um, and so I'm really appreciative of that, and I pray that you would uh, just continue to grow in them. Would you help to mature them into godly men and women uh, who make your name great, and if and when they do engage in conflict, um, would they be peacemakers um, who really follow your example of what humble, sacrificial forgiveness looks like um, so that relationships can be reconciled um, because that's what you do. You're in the ministry of reconciliation, and because you're in the ministry of reconciliation, so are we, so we want to do that. In your name we pray, amen.